by women, different backgrounds, in all stages of life. One message that we are all connected, connected in Christ. Hello, hello. Welcome to this episode of Connected in Christ. I'm one of your hosts, Bridgette Heller, and I have these four lovely ladies with me. Let me introduce them to you. We have Karen Donson. Hello. Giselle Taylor. Hi. Elizabeth Baker. Hello. And Tanya Bentley Ward. Hello. We are so happy to be here with you as I start every episode telling you we're just thrilled that you're here and listening and connecting with us and connecting in Christ through this podcast. And today we're talking about something that we actually were inspired to talk about from the very, very beginning. Like, let's make t-shirts, put this on every mug. We have passion for this subject. So I'm really excited to talk to you. But before you understand what we're talking about, I think we have to talk about the framework of this. So there is this myth out there. And the myth goes like this. And you'll see it all through Christianity. Like someone will be struggling or they will have lost someone or whatever the struggle is, you'll see a Christian pop on the social media or hear it in the meeting and be like, God won't give you more than you can handle. I'm sure the ladies have opinions about this. I know I do. Anyone had anger around this? Yeah, yeah. I see. Okay, at least Liz, me and Liz have had anger. No, I do because that is something that we're taught like, just almost in the sense we're told it almost with the sense of just get over it you're going through something hard but god doesn't give you anything you can't handle so just get over it and that's where i get really upset and i'm really excited for this conversation that we're about to have because in one sense that phrase is true but what we're going to be talking about is why it's true but i feel the way that it we use it today or way some people use it isn't true because it does have that connotation of just get over it and i don't like that i don't like that at all or if you'd have done something differently or if you said something differently or handled the situation differently or no if you would have it's basically alluding to the fact that it's your fault that the thing happened and i think that's why it makes you angry when someone says it so Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. When we go through trials, there's a lot of complexity involved in that. And it's almost a platitude we throw at people. Sometimes the complexity of our trials doesn't warrant the simplicity of another Christian platitude. Like, we can't just give people this, oh, God can give you more than you can handle and expect them to be like, all right, great. That's exactly what I needed. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. Suffering and hardship, it's complex. It's heavy. And it requires a wrestling with God that a platitude just doesn't cut it sometimes. I love the words that Taryn always uses. For the record, I'm just going to state that. But one of the things that we always heard it with is going to... So I, my sister growing up, 18 months younger than me, was deaf, had cerebral palsy, and epilepsy. She's in a wheelchair her whole life. And so when things would be hard, when she'd be in the hospital getting her spine fused or having hip surgery or getting a back within pump and getting major, major things. And every single time this would happen, people would say this, God won't give you more than you can handle. And I'm like, what? Or they would say, you must be really special because God trusted you with this. Excuse me, we do not feel special right now. I love that. These platitudes that we say 
aren't true. They are rooted remotely in scripture, but they're construed. They're, they take God essentially out of it and leave you by yourself as if that's how it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, and everything happens for a reason is one mm-hmm. that I heard regularly too while you're talking about that. That one, actually, I have a, a strong opinion about that one, Tanya, about this happened for a reason. No, I think some things just happen because people have agency and crappy things happen in this world. But I could go off a long time about that. But yeah, those often remind me of just like being dismissive. So one of the biggest things that I don't like see anger towards it or anything like that, because I see being dismissed and I don't like being dismissed. No one does. So when they say, oh, it happened for a reason, or maybe that's just the way and you're dismissing that person's feelings, you're dismissing how they feel, or that if they are like sick, you're dismissing that they're, that's not okay to be sick. And it's not, it's okay that they feel that it's not okay. And oftentimes people just throw those out because they don't know what to say. And it leads to hurting feelings. Yes, it does. And the other thing, the other thing that I was just remembering is so many times when you express the struggle and someone says, God won't give you more than you can handle. It's almost like if you just had more faith, obviously you're having a faith crisis here because you don't believe that God can get you through this. I mean, obviously. And I think that is just not true because all of us know when you're in your crisis, either as Taryn said last episode, either you're in such a numbing space that it's even hard to get on your knees or you're in such a desperate place that that's all you do. And either way, God can carry you through it. But to have someone say to you, God will give you more than you can handle. It's like a knife in the heart. And it almost brings it for me, it brings angry feelings. I just like walls up anger here. Hello. Well, it gives you the sense that you're failing somehow because it does feel too heavy. And I don't think that that's the case in any way. I don't think that when we have these trials and these crippling moments where you're pleading to God saying, this is too much for me. I can't handle this. We should never think to ourselves, I can't handle this because I'm failing. I can't handle this because I don't have enough faith. I can't handle this because I messed up somewhere. You cannot think like that. Sometimes God lets us have these really heavy moments that we can't handle so we can learn to turn to him, that we learn to rely on him and not just ourselves because we can't handle everything by ourselves. We're not meant to handle everything by ourselves. We're not created to handle everything by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then we try harder because we feel like we should be able to handle it. So we run ourselves on the ground doing everything that we think we need to be doing because it was given to me because I can handle it apparently. So it's just really bad advice. I'm sure that all of us here and the listeners have had those experiences where but they're laying in bed and they don't want to get up in the morning because they can't figure out what it is that they're supposed to do to handle the situation. That's when I think a lot of us here, Lord, it wasn't meant for us to handle. It was meant for us to give over to God. For me, that's where my relationship with Jesus started because I really had nowhere else to go. Did I go to Jesus as a last resort? Probably. I mean, because I tried to do everything by myself and it would have been a lot easier if I had just called out to him first, but I didn't know any better. That reminds me, Tanya, of a story of mine. In 2018, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, but I was coming off of living out of the country. So it was my healthiest I've ever been. 
I had lost over 40 pounds, was running like 13 miles a day, super active, eating very healthy. And I was suffering from this thing that I didn't know what it was. And every time I went to the doctor, I was told, I'm too young to be feeling this way. You're too young. You're fine. You're healthy. It's just probably a phase. It, you'll get through it. And my husband was like, I don't think so. Like, this is more. So what was happening was I physically could not move. I physically couldn't get out of bed. My husband had to slowly push me out of bed. And it took me like an hour to get through that in the mornings. And then if I showered, I couldn't squeeze the, the bottle because it hurt my hand so much. But I didn't know why. One night, I'm in the shower and I remember having to use my elbows to squeeze the um, shampoo out. And then I had to prop my knees like I had to go bend down, use my knees and then to catch the soap that would come down from squeezing it with my elbows and then grab it from my knees and try to wash my hair. It was a thing. I remember just stopping in the shower. The shampoo bottle fell and I just cried out loud. And I was like, Jesus, I need you right now, right here. I don't know what this is. I hurt. I'm in pain. I don't know where else to go or what else to do. And I just started crying. And I was like, I need you. I need you. I need you. And I just remember saying it over again. And who that feel like I haven't spoken to those emotions in a while. I remember calling on him. And the moment that I did, I just remember hearing a voice that said, I got you. I cleaned up. I put on my big girl pants and walked out of the shower. And within that week, I had my diagnosis. It was rheumatoid arthritis. And they wouldn't even do the work for that because, again, I was too young and too healthy. I remember going to Jesus first and saying, thank you. That was you that found that. That was all you because you heard me in that shower and you knew I needed you and I couldn't do this journey alone. And so when you're speaking, I was like, yes, that story came to mind. And wow, you have to have him. Yeah. This phrase, God won't give you anything more than you can handle. It actually kind of reminds me of the phrase, a jack of all trades is a master of none. But in all actuality, that phrase has been around since the 1700s. And guess what? That's not the full phrase. So what we have done, we've taken this phrase and we've morphed it and we've cut it off to make it sound like you're just a generalist in many different forms of whatever. You're a jack of all trades and you're not good enough because you're a master of none. But the actual phrase is a jack of all trades is a master of none but oftentimes better than a master of one. And so once we have the full phrase, we realize, oh, I'm not just like a horrible person. What I feel is what we've done as a society is taken this phrase of, well, God won't give you anything you can't handle. And we've cut it off. Because guess what? God won't give us anything we can't handle through Christ. And so when we turn to Christ, we can handle anything that's thrown our way. And that's the whole point. The whole point is we can't handle it. Therefore, we need Christ. I think what's really scary when you stop and think about it is when we get to a point where we think that we don't need Christ, that's scary. That's a scary place to be. When you go around life thinking, oh, I got this. I'll handle this. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this which is sometimes really easy for us all to do, we're pushing Christ out of our lives. And that is always a scary place to be. Always. I just need to say amen. <laughs> My mind was just blown. So here's the deal. I am a jack of all trades. 
I have lived my entire life with the shame of that. Because while I'm good at many things, I'm not fully proficient really in any one thing. There's nothing that I'm like the master of, quote unquote. And there has been so much shame for me from that phrase. So Liz, you like blew my mind just now. My whole life is altered. I'm so thankful. You're welcome. Thank you. Not seriously. It's so cool when you have those moments of release. But I think it's a perfect example of what you're saying, Liz, that this is exactly how it's gone. Every single scripture, and I have a ton of them in my notes. I know you guys do, and we're definitely going to share them. But every single scripture that talks about the struggle, the suffer, the hardship also is actually beautiful. They're beautiful scriptures. I would say they're some of the most beautiful scriptures in the Bible, and yet we cut off the beauty of them. We've cut off the most beautiful part. And I think Satan is so sneaky. He knows how to just like, let's take this beautiful thing and mess it up. And our natural nature, as we've already talked about, as humans, our fallen state means that we are going to go to every other source first, every other source. And then in the worst is usually when we turn to God. The Lord knows that about us. There's no shame in that game. He understands that it's a process. It's why we go through it a lot. But I was thinking about the story, Giselle, when you were, you were talking about how I had done the same thing. I was a young mom. We only had one car, so I never had a car. I had two small babies. We had a $30 a week grocery budget. I mean, people picture that. You couldn't even do that now. But honestly, you couldn't really do it 20 years ago either. So we're eating pasta every breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it was horrible. It was cold where we lived. So I was depressed. I mean, my life stunk, honestly. There was a lot of not good things. We could hardly pay our bills, all the things. And my husband was going to school full-time, working three part-time jobs, and traveling with one of them. So he was just never home, which meant I truly never had the car. And I remember getting on my knees and being like, Lord, haven't I mentioned last episode, him and I have real talks. Like, this is not going well for me. I am falling apart. I am hungry, literally hungry. I am depressed. I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck. I am dying inside and I just feel like if Mike my husband was home everything would be good it would all be good I just need a partner in this I need to not feel alone in this I need to know that I am seen and heard and loved I need that in the struggle and the answer so clear back so clear was get over it he's not gonna be around he's not coming to rescue you you gotta get over it and I remember, I'm getting tingles because it was such a strong, I remember sitting back and being like, what? What? Horrified and shocked. But I'm so thankful for that moment for two reasons. A, the Lord said, stop being a victim in that moment. You are not a victim. So get over it. And B, the Lord said, lean on me. I am your person. I am the thing. I am the person that you will come to, that you will pray to all day long, right? Him and I were having, because I was alone, lonely, conversations with God all day long. Your scriptures will be your comfort. And because he gave me that get over it message and said, I am your person, it was hard. It's so hard to make your person someone that you can't see and that can't touch you and you can't like give that eight second hug to, right? That's hard. but. It changed my relationship with Christ 100%. And it changed my relationship with myself too. 
So I'm so thankful for that. And one of the scriptures that is often used to perpetuate this myth is Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can do all things, right? So that's like, again, Satan, when he messed up that one, it was, I can do all things. No, I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. Luke 1, 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Yeah, nothing's impossible. But again, we dropped off God. With God, nothing's impossible. I think, going back to your story, Bridget. so when someone else tells me to just get over it, it does not fly. Like, I... I like it does not fly with me in any way, shape, or form. But when I get that message from God, it does fly because you followed it up with, because I'm your person. I'm going to be there and I'm going to be helping you through all of that. Through me, like this is the Lord, not me, but through me, you can get over it. We can get through this because you're right. Mike was doing what he was supposed to be doing to help support his family and he physically could not be there to help you, but Christ always can. And the verse in Philippians chapter four, verse 13, I just love so, so much. And actually last week, I had an opportunity to go to girls camp with a youth group from our church. And that was our theme. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens, which strengthens me. And it was fascinating and so uplifting for me to hear these teenage girls take this verse and apply it to their lives and use real examples that they're going through, that they're struggling with, that maybe I don't struggle with, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you struggle with. And just because Susie next door, bless Susie's heart, does really well with those things, whoever Susie is, um, but then, <laughs> that's just the name that came to my mind. It doesn't matter because what you struggle with matters to God and that through Jesus, he will help you through that. The other verse in that chapter I love and adore that I feel matches verse 13 is actually verse 7. And it says, and I'm in the King James Version, uh, and it says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And to me, that is super powerful because when we let him, he does have our hearts and our minds in his hands. And it surpasses all of our understanding. And if we have faith in that, and we keep our hearts and our minds in that place, in his hands, by learning of him, that all things are possible because of Jesus. And what was uh, the reference for that scripture too? I need to write that so, way down. So Philippians chapter four, verse mm-hmm. seven. Verse seven, okay. That's beautiful. I love how both of you share just so honestly... The Lord brought to my mind just a little bit ago as from verse Peter, chapter five, verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That verse for me has been such a lifeline because I've also had those moments with God where he was like, Taryn, get over it. Granted, I know that seasons of being in the valley don't last forever like nothing lasts forever right i've had to have those seasons where it was just me and god and it was tough bridget i know you were saying that it's hard when be your person when you can't see or feel them i wrestled with that a lot um growing up my home life was functional and my ex-stepdad he drank a lot of alcohol because he drank a lot of alcohol 
he didn't make great decisions. And he often said things that were hurtful and just the environment of home just lacked peace all the time. And before that, my parents got a divorce and my dad was military. So after they divorced, he was off to South Korea. I just had this longing for a father. And I would always complain to God about it. I had so much resentment. I was like, Lord, I am having all these issues within myself, with men, like trying to date as a young adult, like, and men are like, gross, you know, like, get away from me. And I was having all of these issues because I felt like that father that I needed was missing. And I won't forget this time when sometimes God will speak to me through people. And he used my roommate and she was saying that perhaps he wants you to find those things that you feel like you're missing in him. I was actually a little peeved because I didn't want to do that. I was like, no, God, I want this. I want you to answer my prayers this way. But he doesn't always do it that way. He wants us to go to him first and to find fulfillment in him. And then he himself just like in first peter chapter 5 verse 10 he himself will restore strengthen establish and confirm us it's not supposed to be our husbands or fathers or our best friend or whatever it's supposed to be him that we get our fulfillment in that was a tough lesson for me to learn to be honest i still struggle with it sometimes i'm like god please does anything else but he's like i am everything that you need I'm everything that you need and promise to be everything you need. You just have to trust me and that I'll do it. It just won't look the way that you want it to. And I was like, ooh, that's rough. <laughs> it's interesting that you said, God, please, just anything else, right? Because when I flipped, God won't give you anything you can't handle. I've learned God will keep giving me that thing until I handle it through him. So it's like through the message that I'm hearing from him, and it becomes clear to me that it's him when it's not from man or advice that I've taken from somebody else, but that little nudge, right? That get over it kind of thing. And when you hear it three or four times, you're like, all right, you kind of give in. That was so good. I want to go back to what Elizabeth was saying earlier, how we often get stuck in those moments that, I, and I'm quoting, I don't remember exactly how you said it. So you could correct me if I'm wrong, but um, we like, we just can do it ourselves and we're just going to do it ourselves and that's okay. Sometimes I feel like we fall victim to that a little bit and it could be because Satan's telling us something different. I always pray through everything I do and I always try to bring God with me in everything I do, but I'm also human. So I do fall into that. And our culture often tells us, you need to make sure you're taking care of your kids as a mother, as a sister, check in on your family. As a daughter, make sure you obey your father and mother. And so there's all of these things that we have to do because somebody said and somebody ran with it. And now here we are in this world with so much coming at us. I know I've fallen victim to that and I had to get up, take care of it. However, for a while I was doing it all on my own because there was no choice. So I know for me and I'm sure there's people out there that are like this, that have experiences like this that you just go and get it done because if you just do it, it'll get done correctly, it'll get done fast and you're not waiting on anyone. And so you take that mentality and then all of a sudden it's four years later and when's the last time you turned to God first? So I have a question for all of you ladies. I love questions. 
it took me being in a hospital bed to realize that I was running myself to the ground. So before our listeners get there, what are some tools or advice that you would share how they would bring Christ into their lives before getting to the breaking point? Giselle, I love that you ask questions like this because faith is an action word. There has to be constant action to have a relationship, constant feeling, constant emotion. I was thinking about one of my favorite things about business is this new movement that's been popping up this last few years. And it's how it always should have been, but is not natural for people. And that's okay. So in the business world, let me backtrack what you said. In the business world, especially the online business world, I see a ton of women that take these online classes and they take class after class after class. And these aren't like $100 classes. These are three grand, five grand, 10 grand. I mean, big money being dumped into class after class after class. And they can't figure out how to run their business or what to do. And they're overwhelmed. And I've even coached some of these people because I'm a podcast coach, right? So, well, this coach told me to do it this way. And this coach told me to do it this way. And I'm trying to follow this method right now to see if it'll work because the other one didn't. And they're just in this chaos, right? And it's like you said, Giselle, because so many people are trying to define for us how we should dress, how we should look, how we should talk, how we should run our business, because that's how they make their money is by telling us that and us buying it. But in this new movement I've seen popping up last few years, which I love, is the spirit-led business. Getting up, meditating, praying, searching your scriptures and saying, what should I do today? Now, this is different. This business will not follow any traditional method because the Lord will be like, go live on Instagram. Like, want to do that? That's the last thing I want to do. And almost always the Lord will ask you to do the thing that feels the most uncomfortable for you or is the last thing that you would want to do. It was on the low part of your to-do list. And that's the thing he's going to bump to the top, right? And so the spirit-led business is fascinating to me because it's how we're supposed to do things. It's how we're supposed to live life, but it's uncomfortable for us. We want to be in charge. We want to take control. I don't know if that's our fallen state or our divine self coming out. I don't know what it is, but we want control. And so to give over that to God is the hardest thing. So answer to your question, get up with intentional prayer and say, what do you want me to do today? And let the Lord direct you from the beginning your day will look different, completely different, but you will go to bed more satisfied than you have in a long time. So many times we want to jump a week or the next week or even that night, but I love like today. It's so intentional. That was good. Well, and I would just add too, today is great, but when you're really struggling, sometimes it's, Lord, what do you want me to do right now or next? Yeah. Because I know when I'm spinning, I can't even handle today. I just need to know right now in this moment, what is the thing, Lord, that you want me to do? And God, the more you do it and the more you. So here's the deal. The Lord will send you promptings. He will send you. I want you to do this and this and this. If you do them, he will continue to speak to you in that way. If you do not do them, honestly, he stops speaking to you in that way. The Lord has figured out and I have figured out that I need to hear things about three times before I know, oh, that's God. So because of that, now I know I'll get a prompting and I'm like, oh, that might be a good idea. And then it'll come another way. And I'm like, oh, I see it. And there's something happening here. And then it comes a third time and I'm like, okay. And the Lord knows me. So the Lord is not impatient with us. But if we're not willing to trust at all, he's also not going to give us the direction 
Because that'd be the same thing for me and my kids. If my kids were like, Mom, what do you want me to do? And I knew that they weren't going to do it because I never have. Why would I waste my time and energy on that? Like, it just is a natural law. It's nothing personal. <laughs> God is always there for us. When we come to him, he's waiting. He is waiting. Always. But we have to do the things he tells us to do. There are a couple of verses that were coming up for me as you were talking. We talked about this a little bit yesterday that I didn't study these today. I'd heard them before and I've applied them in my life and they keep coming up. But I am one of those people that have spent a lot of money on coaches and try to learn things from other people and you don't apply them and you don't know why and whatever. But First Corinthians one twenty and one eighteen. It's a couple of verses here. The wisdom of God, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God, as the scriptures say. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish, since God, in his wisdom, saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. That one for me is like, you're not going to get what you need from anybody. It doesn't matter how smart they are. It's their experiences that'll lead you to him so that you can seek his wisdom from him directly. You might get somebody who's a professional in a certain area and you think, oh, I need to do exactly what they say. And then you'll hear God tell you to do something differently. That's where a lot of the struggle begins is like, well, they're a professional and they know better. and you know, this happens a lot in, in the medical and scientific fields or even teachers, right? I was taught this. I heard this. I've heard it for three or four people. And God will say, no, I don't want you to do that. That's where part of the struggle with Christ comes in, right? It's like, but they said, and he's like, no, I don't really care what they said. I'm asking you to do something different. And then the other piece of it, as far as the tool is concerned, is the asking. Maybe, Elizabeth, you could probably tell the story better instead of me reading the entire verse. but about the woman who touched Jesus. Um, he heals in response to her faith. So she reached out, she grabbed his hem, and he responded to her because she reached out to him. And just like a lot of us have probably experienced in our lives, it's really impossible to help somebody that doesn't want help. Jesus can't help you either if you don't ask him for help. I love that. Actually, the best rendition of that story of that woman is while I was watching The Chosen. Like that's how I pictured it because Jesus really was surrounded by a massive group of people that were all trying to get his attention and they were almost yelling for him, right? Because they were so excited to see him. And this woman literally went against the grain. She literally went against everything that she thought she was supposed to do. She wasn't supposed to be in the crowds at all because of her blood issue. She was deemed as unclean. And in those days, she had to distance herself from all crowds. She had to live by herself according to Jewish rule. And there's also Jewish rule that if anyone touched her, that they would be deemed unholy or unclean as well. And they, in order to become clean again, they would have to go bathe themselves a certain amount of time and distance themselves as well. And so it was a huge, huge act of faith for this woman to go and touch Jesus' hem. And in the King James Version, they use the word virtue, which in our day and age, we tend to think virtue as like 
being morally clean. But actually that word means power. So power had gone out of him when she touched him because of her faith and her actions. She was able to access the power of Christ that Christ had. And that's what actually healed her. So sometimes when we're talking about this issue and we think to ourselves, well, I can't do it by myself. So why try? I don't think that's what we're talking about. You still have to get up. You still have to do certain things, right? To show that. And so I was been thinking about this, like, where's that line? Where's that line of knowing I did put in the effort to reach Christ? I've thought about this a lot. As I was preparing to go to this young women's camp, we and we were talking as a leader, we we're having all these meetings. And in one of our meetings, we asked each other the question, if we're going to ask the girls this question, we want to be able to answer it too. So we proposed the question to each other. What does it look like when you are strengthened by Christ? So we've been talking about being strengthened by Christ. What does that even look like? And how do we do that? And so I stopped and I thought about it. And it really does come down for me, my faith in Christ and what he did. So my faith resides in Christ, the fact that he did perform the atonement. He did suffer for my sins. He does know what I am feeling. Like all these things that we talk about Christ and who he is and his attributes, I have faith. And because I have that faith, that's what gets me out of bed. That's what helps me continue on day after day through the trials. It's that faith. And it was the faith of this woman that got her through the crowd. She didn't know exactly what would happen. She probably didn't know how Christ was going to heal her. She just knew that she had to get to Christ because he would do it. She didn't worry about the how. She didn't worry of how he was going to do it or in what way, but she knew she had to try. I feel like that story is such a perfect example of that dynamic between finding strength in Christ to overcome things and doing our part. Because there's still our part in this whole scenario. And we can't forget about that. But if we truly want to conquer all things or conquer these trials that hold us back, guess what? We need the Lord in that because he is the one that's actually healing us. He's the one that actually gives us the power to overcome. We just have to do our part to turn to him and follow him and allow our path and our journey to be in his footsteps. So thank you so much for bringing that up, Tadia, because that just played in perfectly what I wanted to say. I was compelled, called, or whatever you want to say. <laughs> I was being obedient. <laughs> I love it. I love it too. And it made me think, Liz, as you were talking and you, Tanya, about like, I'm trying to figure, find the right words, right? Like, gentle the spirit. Because in our culture right now, it is very trendy to talk about manifesting. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm bringing this up. I feel like I'm going to throw up. Um, to talk about manifesting and to talk about just believe in these energies. And honestly, there is truth to all that. These are natural laws. What you put out is what you get back. Like that really is. If you're a good person, usually good things happen to you and people are kind back because you were kind to them. People treat you how you treat others. These are some of real laws. However, Christ supersedes that law. So when we talk about real change, real development, your whole nature being changed as to who you are, your whole direction of life being changed, we talk about full healing. 
this comes in and through Christ and Christ alone. So I think the whole world is learning to release their anger and their frustration and they're being empowered by it. What they're not realizing is if they release that and hand it over, lay at the feet of Christ, like we talked about last episode, then not only do you get the good vibes that come with the release, but you get the power that comes through a transformation in Christ. You, know, you just said something that reminded me of another one-liner that we use because you've studied this long enough to say people treat you the way you treat other people. But we've also misrepresented that you should love your neighbor as yourself, right? People aren't taught that you're going to treat your neighbor the way you treat yourself, not you should treat your neighbor better than yourself because you really can't treat anybody better than you're already treating yourself. It's, it's a complicated thing, right? But um, thou shalt love their neighbor as thyself. Well, you are loving your neighbor and everybody else the way they love yourself. So, okay. I agree, Tanya. Thank you for bringing that one up. And it's interesting because I do not know how to love myself on my own. I can, again, take a lot of classes, go to counseling, read the books, and I've done all the things. I'm not criticizing anyone who's done all the things, but it is Christ who has taught me how to love myself. It is mm -hmm. his forgiveness, his grace, his kindness, his um, spirit whispering to me and giving me these new understandings that have taught me how to love myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the struggle is like, you can, again, I do affirmations. Like, I am strong and capable. I am loved. I'm a good mom. I do these things. But it is Christ who has forgiven me for my shortcomings that has empowered me to say these things with confidence. Well, and uh, I mean, you're, it's, you're perfect just like you are. That's another way, right? You're perfect exactly as you are. But it's that you're perfect in him. It's that confusion, right? So this is another struggle for me. If I'm perfect, perfectly made exactly as I am, what do I need him for? That's the lie, right? You I see how sneaky, Satan him. is so sneaky, yes. Because he's been able to twist that one. And, and you're right, you are perfectly loved just as you are. But are you perfect in this moment? Oh, I hope the answer is no. I really hope. Because if you're saying yes, like, oh gosh, the Lord, you, there's some humbling coming and my heart hurts for you. Like, you are perfectly loved just as you are. And that's where Satan comes in and a lot of people don't want to seek Christ or go to church or be around other Christians because they feel like they have to be perfect before they seek him out and because of their misunderstanding of how we use that verse. Sometimes it's hard. I find fighting culture and fighting the world around us and that everything that is being fed to us because oftentimes people will also say, and it's all good intention, but it's not. Um, but like, you're so lucky. You are so lucky, but you are. And I often have to fight that because I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. And that makes, because that makes them uncomfortable. They then are like, oh, you're, you just, you're not grateful. And I'm like, no, 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 I am. But I know that I'm also blessed. Like, it's okay to say those. And sometimes I think um, some words that are tied to faith are taboo words in our culture, because you know, God forbid you say that it's the end of the world. This is where I want to tie in a verse that has really spoken into my life. And it's shown up in my life three different times. And for me, I have the three going on as well. And so three is a big part of my life. But Joshua 1, 9, 
This is the new living translation. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Think about that for a second. Be strong and courageous. That has a look up and say, well, um, no, I'm not lucky. I'm actually blessed because I pray for this. No, actually, you didn't see the trials that God sent me through before I got here. And do not be frightened. That verse alone, like if you're studying this, you're highlighting, you're circling, you're doing all the things, arrows with notes, because how often are we scared to speak our truths or the truth, not our truth, just the truth. And it's so scary and intimidating because this whole world is telling us what to say, what to think. And so we're fighting that constantly. And then for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. I can be at home. I can be out in my community. I can be out of the country. No matter where I'm, God is with me. And I know that. And therefore, I can be strong and courageous. And I don't have to be fearful of what is coming next. So as you are hearing all these myths, as you're hearing all these one-liners, that people are so quick to use without really thinking about them. Always remember to go out there with courage and with strength that God is with us. He is right here right now. And he will help us through even when we don't have the right words to say or when we don't know what to do next. Just stop and pray. Stop and think about it. Stop and talk to him. And it doesn't have to be a formal prayer. It's conversation. Like I often will laugh and I'm like, God, what was that? Like, what did you just do that? And so it could be just like if you're talking to a girlfriend or a friend or anyone, even my own husband, like I, I talked to him just as he is my father. If I were to call up the phone and say, hey, dad, this, you know, this happened. So, hey, father, can you help me through this? I, I don't know what to do. Next. So that is one I had to share because it's a beautiful verse to carry with you. It's so beautiful, Giselle. Thank you for sharing. And I just want to point out something. The cool part about talking to God all day long in this more informal way, like you're talking about is actually I have learned that A, it's powerful because you're you're invoking the Lord to be present in your life all the time. But B, when you do pray formally with intention, it actually adds power to that formal prayer in a way that might be unexpected because you have this deep relationship with the Lord already because you've been in constant communication. And then when you gather with people, let's say it is a tragedy, a hard thing you're going through that someone said some stupid thing about, like we've already talked about, like when you gather and seek God in that very formal, I am coming to you specifically, and we're doing this with intention, those prayers are powerful. And you can tell, I would argue, you can tell the people that commune with God all day, because when they pray, you're like, whoa, what's happening here? You can feel it. It's really cool. If you want to have more powerful prayers, pray all day. Absolutely. One more thought with prayer as you were talking, and this is why I feel really strongly that people have to realize is that God is not a respecter of persons, so he doesn't value one of his children over another. And one way that he shows that he is in the respecter of persons is prayer because we all can pray. He wants to hear from all of us. There isn't this, I think a lot, unfortunately, in a lot of maybe different religions, people are taught that you have to go into a chapel to pray. You have to be kneeling at the altar, an altar to pray or whatever. But if there's one thing that we have all seen in all of our lives is that prayer can be instant. You can do prayer anytime, anywhere, any place. 
And to me, that is such a huge testimony of the love that God has for his children. And that really does make us all equal in God's eyes. With that, I want to add just real quick is um, think of a friendship. If you need to go back to basics, think of a friendship. You're not going to build that deep friendship. You're not going to build that trust. If you're not calling the friend, you're not texting, you're not checking in. Or like if you move somewhere new, you're having to build these new relationships, whether it's coworkers, you have to give a little. So same with your relationship with Christ. If you want to be you plus Christ and you want to do anything, you have to start somewhere. So start with a simple prayer and then deepen that prayer and then carry it with you casually, then carry it with you formally. And if you're mixing all of that, think of a friendship is just like that. You have friendships that you're talking deeply with. Sometimes it's just very surface level. Sometimes it's a joke you're sending them. God's like that. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to carry him. So just start there. And then eventually you'll get to what you're hearing on here. I now am recognizing Bible verses and it's exciting. And, you know, you're diving into all that. And so you will get where we are and we're all at different places, but you will get to one of these places all throughout your life. So just make sure that you start very simple and then slowly add another and then another. I love that. And I love that you just dropped the very thing we were so excited to talk about, but never mentioned. So thank you, Giselle. And that was this. You plus Christ equals anything. Anything truly is possible when you have Christ in your life. Without Christ, all that worldly stuff, yeah, it doesn't, it's just mean sayings that aren't going to help you. But with Christ, truly anything is possible. And as we wrap up, I had this song come to me because I am a music person. So music speaks to me. And this is, it's called Come to the Well by Nick Day. And this is a song I sing a lot in my car. But here's the chorus. I want to wrap up with this. It says, come fill your heartache. Come fill your soul. Come fill your pitcher and he'll make you whole. When you feel broken, you don't have to heal by yourself. Come to the well. Our Savior is the well. And he never wants us to go thirsty or feel broken or feel alone. The world doesn't get it. It's okay. He knows your struggles. He sees you. He loves you. And you truly can do anything with Christ. Thank you. Thank you for coming and listening to us today, for spending this time connecting with and in Christ during this podcast. We love you. We want to hear the scriptures that uplift you. We're going to have a list of them in our devotional book. We're so excited about that. There are so many empowering, beautiful scriptures that can give you strength when you're struggling. So we want to hear what those scriptures are for you. Have a wonderful day and may the Lord be with you until we meet again. Well, hello, hello. It's Brigitte again. And I just wanted to reach out to you because, well, we're called Connected in Christ. And we are connected because of Christ and through Christ, which means connection is key. We want to connect with you. Find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and email all connected in Christ podcast. And if you want to join our membership, just $4.99, you can join our private boxer group where we discuss the Bible and all the concepts we talked about in the episode. See you there.